Jane Ivey had a really good rookie season that saw him be better in a lot of areas that someone like myself wasn't expecting him to be already as good at in his rookie season. However, there was one area that he actually struggled mightily with that a lot of us probably expected he wouldn't struggle with. We'll talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's pricepicks.com. Use promo code locked on. Later in the podcast, I want to talk about an article from James Edwards III, Detroit Pistons beat writer with the Athletic, where he broke down how he sees the Pistons rotation going this upcoming season with what he's heard, the moves they've made, and expectations this season. I want to talk about that later. And then also, Kay Cunningham was offered a spot on the USA team. Denied it, but he's going to be on the select team. It looks like another one of his teammates will be joining him on the select team. We'll talk about that when we come back or a little bit later as well. Um, but first off, I want to start talking about Jane Ivey and something that I, I think I, I mentioned a little bit at the end of the season. Um, but I, I recently did a big Twitter thread. Um, I, I, I made like a two-minute and 20-second video um, talking about this. Um, so I decided to make it a topic on the podcast. And Jane Ivey... He had a really good rookie season. Coming into his rookie season, I was not expecting him to be that great of a three-point shooter. And he wasn't Steph Curry by any means. But he was a much better shooter than I thought he was going to be. Um, On catch-and-shoots, he was in the 62nd percentile. He shot 37% on catch-and-shoot jumpers. On unguarded catch-and-shoot jumpers, he shot 47%. He was in the 90th percentile. He was one of the best open catch-and-shooters in the NBA shooting off the dribble, an area that I thought he would really struggle with, an area we saw him struggle with in in Summer League, an area we saw him even struggle with, no joke, in like the Rico Hines footage, like in-between game, he would throw stuff off the top of the glass. Like the in-between game was an area I thought he was really, really, really struggled with his rookie season. And at the beginning of the year, he did struggle with it some. Um, But as the season went on, he got a lot better and a lot better and a lot better. His off-the-dribble jumper in the mid-range area went from – in the beginning of the season when he shooting, he looked like his body was parallel to the ground. His body was all over the place. As the season went on, now it's more under control, compact, uh, jumps and lands in the same spot. Looks really good. Off the dribble jump, jumper this past season, he was an average off the dribble shooter, 43rd percentile. So, again, he wasn't fantastic, a fantastic shooter, but I thought he was better in these areas than I thought he was going to be immediately as a rookie. And he had a good season. He had a good rookie season for the Detroit Pistons. This past season, he averaged 16 points a game, five assists, basically four rebounds. Um, Not the greatest shooting splits, 41% from the field, 34% from deep, 74% from the free throw line. Um, But with him, what I wanted to talk about was, with him being better in the areas offensively that I thought he was going to actually struggle with, I I want to ask the question, 
why if this was the case, why was he so far below league average efficiency? Um, this past season, league shooting, um, average league shooting was 58.1 true shooting percentage. He was at 52.8 true shooting percentage. Now, all this means is that he was not that efficient of a basketball player when it comes to scoring. And I want to ask the question, why is that? If he was better in all these areas and I thought he was going to be better then, or he was going to be struggling in, how could that be? Well, it's because he actually struggled with the one area that I think just about everyone expected him to be really good at, and that was finishing around the rim. And to be honest, he's probably a way he was probably a way worse finisher this past season than even you guys could expect, or even you guys could guess right now. Um, this past season, he was one of the worst finishers in the entire NBA. He was in the ninth percentile at the rim. He was in the tenth percentile on layups. He was not very good at the rim at all, and for someone as explosive, as athletic, and 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 as ferocious as Jane Ivey, you don't expect him to be a bad finisher at the rim, especially because he was a good finisher in college too, with what a lot of people who watched him in college say were spacing. So should you be concerned about this? What what how what, what should your takeaway be? My takeaway is this, and I tweeted when I tweeted this out, there were some people that took this as me trying to say Jane Ivey sucks and that, oh, you, you got to be worried about Jane Ivey's future. When actually what my point in bringing this all up was to be in a more positive light, that the thing that we all expect him, and I still expect him to be good at, which is finishing around the rim, was what he really struggled with in his rookie season. I went through in the two-minute, 20-second uh, clip, and I talked about, or I showed, Clips where he's missing layups that I would call bunnies. It wasn't like he was... I feel like he was missing a ton of bunnies. A lot of them. Like, a lot of his misses were shots he needs to make. Uh, sure, there was some tough finishes. Sure, there was some bad um, layup attempts, bad decision-making, or bad spacing on someone. But a lot of them, I felt like, are just easy bunnies that he's blowing. I don't expect him to be blowing bunnies in the future. I expect Jane Ivey to be a good finisher in the future. And if you're telling me that the one thing he's struggling with is the area that I expect him to be good at, and after his rookie season, he was actually better at the areas that I expected him to struggle with. I expect, I, I see a very clear future to him being a very efficient scorer in the NBA. If he can be a, an average to above average pull-up shooter like he was this past season uh, off the dribble, if he can be a really good off-ball catching shooter like he was this past season, if he can continue to get better as an off-ball shooter and more versatile off-ball shooter like we saw towards the end of the season, he continues to become a better decision maker in the in-between area. He can be a secondary playmaker of some sorts. Um, if he can be what he was or, or continue to build on what he was his rookie season and then become the finisher that I think he's going to be, that's a really good player. So that's how I look at it. I'm not looking at it in the negative light. Obviously, I'm not trying to say him finishing poorly is good. That's not good at all. He was really bad finishing. It's, it's a little bit concerning. But I don't expect him to be a bad finisher in the future. And because he took these steps in areas that I did not expect him to be good at out the gate, and he actually was better than I thought, I think you could probably feel a little bit better about him even after these numbers because I assume a lot of us are going to say, well, he's not going to continue to be a bad finisher. He's not going to continue to miss bunnies. And if he's already going to become a good shooter and he's going to be a good off-ball shooter, combine that with his explosiveness and finishing ability or projected finishing ability, that's a really damn good player. So that's how I'm looking at it. I don't expect him to be a bad finisher in moving forward, but it is something to look, keep your eye on. It is a bit concerning, I'm not going to lie, that he was one of the worst finishers in the entire NBA. 
Um, but again, I don't expect that to be the case moving forward. He's too explosive, too dynamic, too ferocious around the rim um, for him to be a bad finisher in the NBA. He probably can turn a lot of these layups too into dunks. Um, this is just something that he could probably get better at as he gets stronger. And, and you know, I, I honestly just focuses more on some of these layups. Cause again, I, I feel like a lot of them are just bunnies that he could, he wants back. So um, I know he wasn't that efficient as a rookie, but trust me, I, I see a very clear route to him being an efficient scorer in the NBA. Just once he gets to where we think he can be as a finisher, even just an average finisher around the, around the rim with what he was doing everywhere else offensively, he should be a fine, efficient scorer in the NBA just at that. And I think he can be a better than average finisher. So that's what I wanted to talk about here. What do you guys think? Are you guys a little bit more concerned than I am about his finishing ability about around the rim? Do you guys think that Jane Ivy can be a highly efficient scorer in the NBA? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kukio. When we come back, I want to talk about the James Edwards, the third article with the athletic where he broke down what he believes the Pistons rotation will be this season. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors Price picks. Let's go ahead and assume that the NBA and NFL season was going on at the same time again. It's October. It's November time. And you want to take the over on Jerry Goss passing yards. You want to take the over on Gibbs rushing yards. You want to take the over on Kate Cunningham's points. You want to take the over on Jay Navy's assist. And you want to do it with the daily fantasy option that allows mixed sports entries. Well, Price picks is the fir- perfect place for you. You pick two to six players to see if they score more or less than their price fix projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people is just you versus the projections available. Price fix offers projections on any sport that you watch, and trust me, any sport you're thinking of, I promise you, price fix has it. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals currently operational over 30 states and Canada. Download the price fix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, price picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, price picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with price picks. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So James Edwards III came out with an article a few days ago. I believe last Friday. Yeah, last Friday, July 21st. And it was breaking down the Pistons rotation and their death chart. Um, at that moment, as of July 21st, um, based on the things he's hearing, based on the moves they've made, and what he's projecting uh, for this rotation to be this season. And it was interesting to see the rotation he came up with because the, the, the clunkiness with the Pistons roster has been talked about ad nauseum. It, like, we've talked about it non, non-stop. And unless a trade happens, and unless something changes... It's going to be like, it's not going to change. There's a lot of guys that want to play. There's a lot of guys that, that feel like they probably should be playing that just aren't going to be able to be played. They, they got a lot of clunkiness in their front court. Um, they, got a, they got a wing room that that has shooting, but doesn't have a lot of defense on it. If you go with the shooting route, like if you go with Boyan, and Joe Harris, now you're not playing Asar and Isaiah Livers as much, and those guys are the only ones who play defense. So now it's like 
it's unbalanced a little bit throughout the roster. Yes, they addressed some shooting. They got some shooting. But it's a little bit unbalanced in how you can actually play the shooting together to make it a functional lineup, I think. And again, there's a few guys that are going to be fighting and wanting minutes that just aren't going to get minutes. Guys like Marcus Sasser, guys like uh, maybe Marvin Bagley or James Wiseman, guys like Killian Hayes, guys like Isaiah Livers. Like, there's going to be plenty of guys that are going to be fighting and really scrambling for minutes that may not get minutes that feel like they probably should. And then some of those guys that I mentioned, a lot of you guys probably feel, a lot of you probably feel, should be playing. Um, so the rotation is going to be a hot topic all the way through preseason, really. It probably is going to be a hot topic even during the regular season because you're going to see guys in and out of rotation. Guys are going to be wanting, uh, fans are going to be wanting certain guys back in the rotation, certain guys back out of the rotation, especially if they don't make any trades to free it up. It's going to be interesting, I feel like, probably throughout the whole season until they make some kind of trade. Um, so I'm not going to spoil everything James said in this article because, again, you guys should have an article. I don't want to spoil his work like that. You guys need to have an, a subscription and read it for yourself. So all I'm going to talk about is the rotation and some of the minutes he's ta- he laid out in his graph. And I'm not going to break. I'm not going to talk about his reasoning for all these things. I'm not going to talk about wh- what he's heard, all that stuff. All I'm going to talk about is the rotation chart he 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 put out. So obviously you got Kay Cunningham, Jane Ivy starting. He has Boyan, Isaiah Stewart, and Jalen Duran starting. Um, I think that's the the starting lamp you're going to see. So I agree with him there. Uh, I think that if they wanted to get a little bit more creative, is there another starting lineup that I think maybe could be better? Yes. Um, I think maybe a Sar Thompson, Boyan Bogdanovich starting lap at the three, four spot probably could be better. I think, um, maybe even, I, I think if Isaiah Stewart is not a good shooter out the gate, I think maybe even Isaiah livers with the SAR could be a better lineup because they give more two way play there. Um, but we'll see what happens. I do believe this will be the starting lap, so I agree with him there. And then the backup backcourt spot, not too much to be, you know, to argue about. Everyone's expecting this. Monty Morris and Alec Burks both playing the one and two backup one and two spots. Uh, so this leaves Killian Hayes and Marcus Sasser out the rotation. Um, a lot of people probably don't care that Killian Hayes is out the rotation, but Marcus Sasser is a guy they drafted at 25 and fans are now in love with because he scored 40 points in the final summer league game. So I'm sure that's going to be a heated topic throughout the rotation, especially if he's not playing. Fans are going to be losing their minds, wanting to see their new shiny toy over Monty Morris or Alec Burks. So, but I do agree with James here. I don't think Sasser is going to play. I don't think Killian Hayes is going to play, uh, at least out the gate uh, for Marcus Sasser. Maybe throughout the season, if they trade Monty Morris or Alec Burks at the deadline, maybe that frees up some minutes for uh, Marcus Sasser. I could see that happening. Um, but as out the gate, I don't think Marcus Sasser is going to be seeing minutes. Um, I definitely don't think Killian Hayes is going to be seeing minutes. Um, Asar Thompson gets the backup three spot. Um, that's clear to me. He's definitely going to be in the rotation. I think there's a hard or a, a good argument to be made that maybe he should be in the starting lineup because of the things that he brings, his raw ability and raw skill set in certain areas that the Pistons are lacking throughout the roster, he has. So I think there's a chance that he pushes for that starting lineup quickly. Um, I'd be shocked, to be honest. I'm, I'm going to say this here on the podcast. You guys can write this down, tweet me, and, and, and you know, bookmark it, whatever. I, I think Asar Thompson will be in the starting lineup by January. I would be shocked if he isn't. I think what he brings to the table, defensively, playmaking-wise, athleticism, transition, weak side rim protection, rotations on defensive side, his IQ, all that stuff, 
is something they just don't have throughout their roster in the wing position. They just don't have it. And really throughout their roster in general, they don't have anyone that matches all those things in one with Asar. Does that mean I think Asar is going to have a great rookie season? He's going to be a great NBA player out the gate? No. I think he's going to struggle with some things. I think he's going to have to adjust to some things. But what he brings to the table out the gate are things that the Pistons are lacking in need. So I think that that will be the reason why you probably see him, I think, in the starting lineup by January. Now, this is where it gets interesting with what James picked. I, this is where I really want to talk about. The backup four spot, he got Isaiah Livers taking those minutes. Now, other guys that could take those minutes that he'll be fighting with, a guy like Joe Harris, um, a guy like Marvin Bagley, a guy like James Wiseman. But James has Isaiah Livers as the backup four, another move that I completely agree with. I think Isaiah Livers has to be in the rotation because of his ability to shoot and make threes, play the right way offensively, make the right pass off ball, and also be a good team defender. Again, another thing that they just don't have on this roster. They don't have a lot of good team defenders on the wing. It's Asar and Livers. That's it. I don't really trust Boyan on the wings. I know everyone loves Isaiah Stewart and thinks he's the next coming of, of, of LeBron, but that's a little bit of a joke, okay? I, let's let's everyone calm down. But I don't think Isaiah Stewart is like a wing stopper. I think he's best used, and this is, I guess, something we can talk about in the future at some point. I think Isaiah Stewart, eventually his best value will be seen as a as a small uh, small ball five where you really get to have the luxury of having a five that can switch on the guards when he has to. But I don't think he's someone you just want living on the perimeter defensively. We'll see how that goes this upcoming season. So I think Asar and Livers are really the only guys with that, so I think they need to play, especially because Isaiah Livers also can shoot, so he's the one guy who figuratively fits into the 3 and D role on this squad, so I think he has to play. I agree with that move. Back up five. So now you're looking at probably between Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman. Who do you go here? This is going to be a topic that fans talk about throughout the offseason. And James goes with Marvin Bagley as the backup five. This is interesting to me. This is This is really interesting to me because... If the team is trying to win right now, if they're trying to put the best players on the floor right now, trying to win, not trying to develop, not trying to get guys to hit their ceiling in the future, not allow guys to play through mistakes. Like, if that's not what they're doing, if they're actually trying to win 40-plus games, right now we're pushing everybody possible to win 40-plus games and really try to make a push for the play-in, I agree with it. I think Marvin Bagley's better than James Wiseman right now. I think everything that James Wiseman is supposed to be good at, Marvin Bagley is right now better than. Now, as we talked about on a previous episode before, if you're looking for a long-term development, long-term ceiling, guy who has more of an unquestioned ceiling where he can become better, is James Wiseman. I think Bagley basically is who he is now. I don't think he's going to become much better than he is now, but what he is right now serves a purpose in rotations, which is a guy who can roll to the rim, who is a really good finisher around the rim, one of the best finishers around the rim at, at the big position, I feel like. Great lob threat, great hands around the rim. Knows where to be offensively when it comes to positioning himself for buckets and can create some off the dribble, tack closeouts, create for himself a little bit and score the basketball. Those are things that people want James Wiseman to be able to do, but he doesn't do currently. So I, if you're trying to win right now, I agree with picking Bagley over Wiseman. However, I don't think they'll actually pick Wise or Bagley over Wiseman because Wiseman, I feel like they're really high on and they want him to try to reach his ceiling. And he's going to need reps. That was the main thing coming from Golden State is that he needs reps. If you're going to trade for him, you better give him reps so he can at least have a chance at hitting his ceiling. If not, if you're not going to give him reps, there was no point in trading for him because that was the whole point of why he wasn't able to develop in Golden State was because he wasn't getting reps. 
So I think they're going to go with Wiseman here because he have a higher he has a higher ceiling. He's younger. He's an expiring contract. They need to figure out who, what they have with him. They want to give him reps to get better in these areas and give him a chance to really be a part of the future. So while I agree that Bagley's better than Wiseman, if they're trying to win right now, I agree with James. I'd go with Marvin Bagley over Wiseman. I don't think the team goes with Bagley over Wiseman for the reasons I just listed. And that is your 10-man rotation for the Detroit Pistons, which leaves out James Wiseman, Marcus Sasser, and Killian Hayes as the first three guys looking in on the rotation. So let me know what you guys think down below. What do you guys think about James? Uh, I, basically, I agree with everything James did in this, in this rotation. Um, outside of the fact, I don't think the Pistons will agree and play Bagley. So I agree with everything James did. What do you guys disagree about this rotation? Do you guys have some players that are out of the rotation that should be in? Do you guys have a different starting lineup, different positioning? Let me know all that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, Jalen Duran is joining Kay Cunningham on the select team for the USA team this summer. We'll talk about that and how cool that is when we come back. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That is another great way to support the podcast. So right before I started recording the podcast, I had a different third segment I want to talk with you guys about. But of course, just like it usually goes, either Woj tweets something or Shams or James or Amari. Someone tweets something, breaking some news right before or during the podcast, and I had to shift gears. It's happened like five times now already this offseason. Right before I started recording, James Edwards, Detroit Pistons beat writer of The Athletic, tweeted out, aside from Kate Cunningham, sources tell The Athletic NBA that Pistons Jalen Duran has been invited to participate with the U.S. select team out in Vegas. Duran had an impressive rookie season as a central piece to Detroit's rebuild. So, th- I, it, this is just a cool moment. It's just a cool thing. We're not going to spend too long in this last segment. I'm not going to try make this bigger than what it is or hyper-analyze this. I, don't think, it's, I, I think it's super cool. Um, the Pistons having two guys on the select team, the fact that Cade was selected or was invited to be on the actual USA team, but he denied it because he's worried about this upcoming season, really trying to get ready for this upcoming season, but he was still able to be a part of the select team. I think that whole situation is super dope, and the fact that U.S. basketball wanted him on the actual team, despite the fact that he missed his whole last season, shows you how high guys are in Cade, how how great Cade can be. So I, that's super cool. And then the fact that the Pistons have another guy who's 19 years old also joining the select team just shows that the Pistons have a bright future. They have a bright young core. Now, guys have to develop. Guys have to improve. Guys have to get better at, at, at you know, each season. It, it's not a finished product yet. Guys could flame out. We've seen it happen many times before. Guys who, not just with the Pistons, but throughout the NBA, guys who are really, you know, highly touted prospects, guys people are high on, don't end up putting it all together. Don't end up developing each season. And then some of them flame out. So, Yes, guys need to develop, but nonetheless, the Pistons have probably the their young core right now. Their their the, how fans should feel about the Pistons' future, how you should feel about their their trajectory. It's probably the best you should feel about any team since the 2015 Detroit Pistons. And I feel like you probably feel a little bit better about this 2015 team versus the 2000. Or I I completely just mixed up my words. You should probably feel better about this team's future versus the 2015 team's future 
because this team currently has four guys all around the same age, young as hell, 21, 20, 19 years old, building towards the future. Whereas the 2015 team had some guys, you know, like Reggie Jackson, 25, 26 years old. Andre was like 23, not old or anything. But those guys, you know, I, I it's kind of revisionist history to say this. So actually, I don't know. I'm sure because in 2015, I was extremely high on that team's future. I thought they were coming next. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be a really good team. But revisionist history tells you that a lot of those guys were going to be capped out either that season, despite the injuries to Reggie Jackson, which I think played a big part to that. But nonetheless, those guys were probably capped out with what they were going to be, and they were never going to be much of, I think maybe they could have got six seed. But outside of, you know, I, I don't know. I think a lot of those guys probably capped out. Whereas right now, you don't know what these guys are going to cap out at. You don't know what Jalen Duran will be by the time he's 25, which is, by the way, in like six, seven years. Like, you don't know what Cade will be once he's in his physical prime, once he's in his prime of, of, of the NBA, which is about five years away, realistically. You don't know what Jane Ivey will be at his prime, which is five, six years away. You don't know what Asar Thompson will be in his prime, five, six years away from here. Like, it's bec- I think the reason fans should feel so good about this young core in the not only because obviously because the select team and the US team is identifying the Pistons young core, Kate Cunningham and Jalen Duran, as guys they really like and see their future. Not just because of that, but because I think it's just the it's kinda of like the empty box little theory. Like you guys seen that family family guy episode where, you know, Peter's like he gets asked, you know, you could have a boat or you could have a mystery box that could be a boat. Um now, while the boat obviously is the better option, having the mystery box is just, like, more tantalizing. It's, like, more interesting. And the Pistons have a bunch of mystery boxes that they don't know how high or how great that mystery box will be, and you're going to spend the next three to four years finding out all of these guys at the same time what their mystery box ceiling is. I think that's what is going to be so interesting and it's what's going to keep fans so high on some of these guys because they're so young, because they've already flashed such good things early one, two years into their careers. Heck, Asar hasn't even played yet, and fans love him. So I think it's just super cool time to be a Pistons fan as of right now. It may not come with great wins, uh, win-loss record. You're not going to see probably 40-plus wins. I don't feel like this season. Um, but you're going to feel good about this team's future. You're going to like a lot of the young guys, and you're going to see that that the Pistons are are in a position now to play the long game now. Because in the, in the past, they were playing, you know, year to year to year. I feel like now you have a young core in Kay Cunningham, in Jalen Duran, in Jay and Ivy, in Asar Thompson, where you're really looking over for the next five to seven years. How can we build the best team for the next five to seven years of these guys' prime for when they hit their prime, we have the best teams. Um, that wasn't that hasn't been the case for Piston teams over the in over a decade. So yeah, that that's where I that's where my mind went after seeing Jalen Duran also is uh, joined Kay Cunningham with the select team. But let me know what you guys' th- your guys' thoughts are, my goodness, about Jalen Durant. What's going on? I, like, it's it's hot in my room. I guess that's what it is. I'm, like, tripping over my words. Let me know what you guys think about Jalen Durant joining the select team with Kay Cunningham in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Until next time, peace out.